0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Fantastic. We're continuing uh, more than this series. And I want to speak from the book of Corinthians. Corinthians is a book written by um, Paul uh, the apostle um, to the church in Corinth um, the uh, Corinthian church um, is perhaps um, a church that we would identify with more today um, than than many other churches within the uh, New Testament because they um, because of the issues that they struggle with and the the book of Corinthians Paul deals with all sorts of issues in people 's lives and he deals with um, problems with um, people's behavior and their lifestyles, and then he gets into a more deeper spiritual discussion. That when um, the sort of discussion about things like um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and uh, in in Corinthians twelve, he speaks about how the Holy Spirit works through our lives. And then as, once he's kind of dealt with that, he really gets into the meat of things and gets onto corinthians 13 which is the famous chapter on love and in in one corinthians 13 if you've ever been to a wedding you will normally get a verse read from one corinthians 13 and it will say it speaks about the um about the nature of love and then at the end of one corinthians 13 it comes to this in one corinthians 13 verse 13 it says this three things will last forever faith hope and love, and the greatest of these is love, and what we have here is the description having Paul having described to the church everything that is how we should live there's the lifestyle of how we should live, how the Holy Spirit works in us and and how we should respond to the work of the Holy Spirit, in other words, we should live pure holy lives that goes on to up to about chapter sort of um, ten, eleven, and then chapter from then on it goes on to how the Holy Spirit works and the the fruit of the Spirit, and that's how God wants to work through us. And then in chapter thirteen, it's it's the kind of it's the motivation of how we work in God that it, we're motivated by love, not by selfish um, deeds or anything else, but we're motivated by love. And at the end of chapter thirteen, it says this: Now three things remain. In other words, there are three things. That are critical and essential to the to our life. There are three graces that that works in our life. You can say that faith, hope, and love is like a, is each of these are a grace. They're pillars by which we will base our life. It's you know the, um, an old milking stool. If you've ever seen the uh, an old western movie, they normally have a scene where um, somebody's having to milk a cow, and they have to sit on a stool. And a, a traditional milking stool will only have three legs and the reason for three is you can put it in any position and always be stable. You've got three legs and it doesn't matter what's going on. A four leg there's always it's always an even and you've got to find um, a find a way of sort of putting it um, putting it getting it getting it even and um, how many restaurants you've been to and you go in and then and the tables and there's nothing worse is there? Uneven <laughs> uneven table but the um, we have these three pillars and the Bible says now, after everything else, there are three critical things that you've got to understand. Faith, hope, and love. And the issue with faith is faith is about is this amazing grace pillar in our life that, that teaches us how to have a relationship with God. Faith is about how we connect to God. We often think that faith is about what I can believe for. But what you believe for is actually only a fruit of who you believe in. That's what faith is about. People think it's if I have faith for no no I, I need to have faith for a possession. You might want an iPad, you believe in God for an iPad, I've got an iPad, I'm believing God for a better iPad. <laughs> It's a possession. It's one of those bizarre things that once you've got something, you just want something else. It's one of the discussions I was having with my neighbor last night, sitting around the bonfire after Boaz's birthday. Everyone else had gone to bed, and we're sitting there discussing them. And he he listens to the messages, and he's going, um, he's going, more than this? Do we really need any more than this? Oh, you really don't need anything more than a bonfire late at night. I mean, uh, <laughs> life is good when you've got a bonfire and a stick to poke it with. And, uh, and so yeah, we, just, um, we were sitting there and he's going, do you really want, is there anything more than this? And, and, uh, and, so, but, and so we often want things, but, but things are not, it's not, faith isn't for things, faith is for God. Yeah. That we have faith in God. It's about so faith is the pillar that connects us to God. And love is actually the pillar. Love is the principal pillar. And love is the great pillar because love is the pillar that connects us to God and to others. Love is about what we give, not what we get. Love is about is, is about what you're sowing and not what you are receiving. The Bible says that God is love. What does that mean? It means God is someone that gives away. That's what love is. Someone who gives, who gives, who gives, who gives. God never stops giving to us. When we are in need, He gives to us. When we need forgiveness, He gives it to us. When we need possession, He gives it to us. When we need comfort, He gives it to us. When we need protection, He gives it to us. God gives because God is love. That's the nature of God. God, Love is about giving. It's not about receiving. But then there's hope. And hope is often the forgotten pillar of our lives. And I want to speak tonight about hope because hope is what... We need to understand hope is what keeps you healthy. Because hope is about the expectation of what is going to happen. Is the expectation of your life in God. In other words, hope is about you. Faith is about God. Love is about others. And hope is about you. And the pillar of hope that we build is the pillar that will keep you sane. It's the pillar that will keep you healthy. It's the pillar that will give you this incredible sort of sense of expectancy. The pillar that will put the dream back in your heart. The pillar that will remove the disappointment. It is the pillar by which we are able to keep and get strength working back in our heart again. And what happens is, if we don't understand hope, then we don't understand how to work in faith or in love. Now, the other day I was walking the dog. I often start my stories with, I was walking the dog. You might have noticed that. And um, I could just say I was walking. and and uh, But I, here I am, I'm walking, and um, there's the crossroads where um, Boaz gets the bus from. Uh, it comes at 8 o'clock to pick up the um, um, high school kids but at 8.30 the primary school children are picked up from the same crossroads and um, one of our neighbours who lives on a farm sort of a few fields actually our nearest neighbour to our left she lives a long way over that way you can just see the roof of the house and she has to drive her daughter um, to the crossroads near us um, so that the minibus that picks up the children um, for uh, primary school can come by and pick her up on the way through. And so, I'm just walking back and I'd, I had walked down with Boaz. He was picking up us. So I just walked down with him with the dog, carried on walking, left him behind. By the time I'd gotten back, it was now half past eight. And at half past eight, here was this uh, my neighbor sitting in her uh, car uh, with her daughter uh, sitting in the front seat next to her Waiting, and as I, as I went past, she just unwinded the window. All the pleasantries, hi, how are you doing, etc. And I just sort of stopped and I just leaned in a bit, say hello. And as I did so, her daughter, who I've never spoken to, uh, I wouldn't recognize from Adam, she just and she's just sitting on the seat. And this is the first thing that she says to me It's my birthday in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, several thoughts are going through my head at that moment in time. The first thing is, if she tells a complete stranger, it's her birthday in 10 days, how many people has she been telling? And at what point does she ta- start telling? And what, when does the countdown start towards her birthday? Because uh, yeah. 10 days is quite a long time, especially when you're telling strangers. <laughs> at what point do you tell strangers, uh, you know, do you start with parents siblings, other family, best friends, and then eventually you get to sort of ten. then you can tell strangers. And the other thought that goes through my head is, what on earth is she going to be like at Christmas? And so you've got, you've got this child who's super excited, but the nature of children is that they live with this hope of what is going to happen she doesn't know what she's going to get for her birthday but she knows it's her birthday and so hope drives her on she lives with a hope that's the beauty of children children live with hope they live with an expectancy and a hope that something will change something will improve the nature of young people is that they look at the world they can see its problems and its difficulties and sometimes they're hurt and disappointed but they have a hope that it will either get better or they will make it better they live with a hope. That's, that's the beauty of what sits within a young person, within their heart. And so people, people live with dreams, and children particularly, they live with this hope, because hope is what feeds the dream. And when you feed the dream, you, feed, you, you discover there's strength on the inside of you that otherwise you did not know that you had. If you can feed yourself with hope, then you can feed yourself with enough energy to do something that otherwise you would not be able to do. And so hope is a critical pillar that we have to have in our lives. One of the one of the natures of what happens is people get... Oh, one of the conversations you get with uh, people as they get older is, is oh, terrible world. Uh, this is becoming and you have these... Who's ever had a discussion with somebody that how bad is the world, state of the world today? What a terrible world we live in. If, if you've never had... That discussion is because you haven't spoken to an old person. <laughs> That's a terrible thing. To say. Said, None of the old people in our church talk like that. That's because we throw them out if they do. But the uh, <laughs> and uh, the but what happens is that people get into this melancholy, this kind of depression. I remember when I was um, in my uh, mid twenties, um, I had I had my own business, I had a shop, and I had. Um, um, workshops and, and uh, I had an agent come through it was, uh, we used to make furniture I had an agent come through to see me he was an old fella. I'd known him for years and um, uh, I'd known him since I was a teenager and uh, he came through to see me and see if I wanted to sort of buy any stuff off him and so we're standing there it was a really quiet day and we're just standing looking out the shop window we're just looking at, looking at everything outside and we're looking out and while we're talking we're just, and he's just going oh yeah it's terrible yeah, world well, well today, terrible. And I didn't kind of know how to respond. You know, I'm in my early 20s. This guy is probably knocking on the door of retirement. And, and I don't really know, kind of had... So I just kind of felt, you know, go with the flow. Oh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> ter- ter- terrible world, yeah, I know, it's terrible. And, you know, and, and eventually after agreeing with each other how terrible the world was, he, he got in his car and, and left quite miserable. And, and, and I turned around and thinking oh man what a, what a miserable world we live in <laughs> and, and it 's amazing how, how just just miserable I felt and just and, and I felt miserable for days afterwards from that one conversation i don 't know what I agreed with that somehow you would some, you know it is amazing if you agree with some people how that that firms something within your heart. You have to be so careful the conversations you have. Sometimes when you're having conversations with people to keep the peace you kind of don't you don't want to challenge them because in challenging them it means you're you're going to have to have a conversation you just don't want to have. And and it might take you somewhere you don't want to go or are capable of dealing with. So sometimes it's kind of like yeah whatever just let let it go. Just let it wash over you. But in all of that you have to make sure that you don't allow yourself to come into agreement with someone who's robbing your heart of something precious. Because when that happens, you find that you've repositioned your life, repositioned your opinion in your heart, and now you're feeling miserable when you, you never knew why. Actually, that was a it was a actually a turning point in my life because I remember speaking to my pastor afterwards and it was at that moment I began to realize that God wanted me to be a man who spoke of the hope of love of Jesus Christ and understand and be affirmed in who I am in His kingdom. That God has something more for me than just this. That I don't have to live being influenced by the the world and influenced by what people think and what people say. That I don't have to be robbed of what is precious in my heart. The Bible says don't cast Pals before swine. You see, the, the, um, the fact is within our heart, God has put something precious. And we have to protect the precious from the little piggies that run around our lives. And the little piggies are the, are the people that will speak negativity, speak unbelief, speak discouragement, speak things which are disparaging... Speak things which undermine who you are and what you believe and what you have hope and what you have faith for. And they just diminish and undermine your heart. Those are the little piggies. You have to keep those things precious within your heart to protect them from the little... We can all be a little piggy at some point in our life because we can all say something which is a little discouraging, disparaging, just something which removes the joy of which somebody else had. And so we have to consider those things as, as precious. But, but what often happens is that older people get melancholy because they stop dreaming, because they got so used to doing life. And, doing, and the, the longer you do life, the more you get used to the idea that not everything is going to go your way. You discover that not everything will go your way. And some things will really go against you. And so in trying, you're trying to just... I mean, I've never met somebody, anyone yet who just doesn't want to do life well. Everybody wants to do life well. But not everybody lives life well. And what happens is we, we, some, we struggle with what is there before us. And we struggle with how to make sense of the circumstances... Well, what happens is, is, as we grow older is we stop dreaming. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that old men shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions. You know why it says that? Because old men stop dreaming and young men, they dream. They don't need dreams. What they need is vision. Vision gives you clarity of the future. The old men have visions. They have vision, but what they need is dreams. Dreams is what puts hope back into your heart. Vision gives you clarity of your circumstance and your situation. An old person has clarity but lack of vision. A young person has has dream but lack of clarity. So the Bible says that when God comes upon you, you're going to have... The old are going to dream dreams... And the the young are going to have visions. In other words, God's going to counterbalance the effects of the world and so that we will be able to operate fully in His kingdom. In other words, the grace pillars that hold us together are going to make us strong. And tonight, what I want to just encourage you with is this, that, that we have to understand that hope gets robbed out of our hearts. In Galatians 6 verse 9, it says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good just at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let me say it like this. Don't lose your hope while loving those who don't love you back. At just the right time your faith will be rewarded with an overflow of blessing. Let me read the, the translation and then I'll read the, my interpretation of it again. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Or, don't lose your hope while loving those who don't love you back. At just the right time, your faith will be rewarded with an overflow of blessing. You see, what happens is that hope has to be covered and protected you have to protect the precious gift of hope within your heart if you're going to grow in God and pursue the things that are going to be built in you. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is a substance. This My iPad is a substance. This is something, a substance. But hope, faith, is the substance of something which was hoped for. Hope is something which is out there. You can't grab it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it, but it's something which connects you to an eternal God. It connects you to dreams. It connects you to a future. It connects you to a purpose. It connects you to a destiny. And without hope, you're disconnected from the eternal destiny that God has got for your life. And so what we need is hope in our heart. If you can have hope, then you have that point of connection that keeps you connected to your destiny. The enemy wants to rob you of your hope. If he can rob you of your hope, he can rob you of your destiny. Amazing how, see all he has to do is disconnect that hope in your heart. He doesn't have to ruin your plans. He doesn't even have to, how many, he'll ruin your plans if he can but he doesn't have to ruin your plans all he has to do is ruin your heart all he has to do is, is ruin your hope of what you hoped for has there ever been a moment in your life where you've really just been amazed at somebody who's just amazing and, and just thought they're amazing and then I remember my pastor I was in my teenage years and I remember meeting this man and and I thought he was amazing because he 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 was kind to me, <laughs> and he he took me in and he he would spend time with me he would I would go around his house on my day off and we'd talk about the Bible and talk about all sorts of things, and then he would give me the years of experience and all the adventures he'd had in God and all these just amazing things and I would just sit there amazing and I would look at him, and I would think, "Wow, how amazing and how amazing he is and 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 I had him up there on some kind of pedestal and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just innocent pedestal kind of, I didn't like just bow down and worship him, you know, it was, it was just, I just thought he was amazing, this amazing man. And he was an amazing man and he is still an amazing man, right? But he wasn't as amazing as my childish mind thought he was. Does that... Do you understand? And so what happens is that as time goes by, you're working with him and suddenly you begin to realise, oh, yeah, he said that. Perhaps he shouldn't have said it. Oh, what have I said? Except, and then he'll do something and he did one or two things that that kind of, oh, he kind of lowered in my (laughs) opinion of him. But you see, and then what happens is hope, if hope grows tired in your relationship with your friends and people who you're working with and you allow that hope to be robbed from you that man God had appointed in my life to speak into my life to speak into mine and Cheryl's life to set us up so that we might be in ministry today but the enemy came along to rob that and now I remember having this point of discussion with someone that they'd gotten irritated with him and they, they, just, they didn't like him anymore And I remember looking at this man, knowing that God had appointed. Had appointed. I remember I remember God had appointed him. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to let. I'm not going to have this relationship robbed from me. I'm not going to have my friendship robbed. It's not going to be robbed from me. And you know what? Because it wasn't robbed, neither was my hope robbed but I can see my hope disappearing. But God has got something for you. He's got hope for you. Don't let hope be robbed from you. Don't get tired while doing good. You see, what happens is that hope changes the portion of your life. It changes the portion of your life. When um, on a Saturday morning, if we've got all the family round and We'll do a cooked breakfast. Who loves a cooked breakfast? Oh, you know. Um, I ha- somebody commented this morning. I got home from church and I had a tweet come through that someone had commented on. But the tweet was something that I tweeted in the 21st of April 2013. And I'm thinking, they must have been flicking a long way back on my feed to click and then make a comment. And I'm looking at the comment thinking, you know... Um, but the comment was this. It, what it was, it, it, it was a photograph that I'd taken on a Sunday morning. I, I don't know where I was. I was away ministering somewhere. And I had received a cooked breakfast on the Sunday morning. And what it was, it was just a plate of eggs, fried eggs, bacon, mushrooms, hash browns, sausages. It was like, <laughs> and I put And I put on Twitter, this is the evidence that Jesus loves me. <laughs> enough said and here, here was this, here was this, this uh, evidence, this picture and when I cook breakfast on a Saturday morning we just cook up breakfast and, and we, just, we get like packs of bacon packs and packs of bacon and we put them in and we sit them in the oven and then the last thing we have cook are the fried eggs because they just need to be done and then eaten, right? You don't want a fried egg sitting there keeping warm. And uh, so we cook the eggs. And so what I do is, if there's like eight of us or so. We've got a big frying pan. I'll just crack like eight eggs into a jar. And then quickly, I'll just pour them into the pan. And that way, you get all eight eggs cooking at the same time in the pan. But the only problem with that is that they, you've now got to divide them up <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> And so what happens, is you've got to... And so what I do is, as I start to cook, I start to dividing up, and this is what happens. Some people get smaller portions. (laughs) Generally, though, some people have to be the parents. You know how it is. It's like, oh yeah, I'll have whatever's left. I've got the busted one, you know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, your hope determines your portion. One of the things that I've noticed in people's lives is that a person can live in a great portion, but as, they, as their hope diminishes, so their portion of life diminishes. So their influence diminishes. So their dreams diminish. So their opportunities diminish. So the things around them begin to diminish. So do the number of friends that they have begin to diminish. So do, so do the, you know, you can, you can meet people and their lives have just diminished. They have fewer friends, fewer lives, fewer, fewer opportunities. Sorry, few, there's just fewer. Everything is fewer going on around their life. Why? What happened? Well, their hopes diminished. And so their life diminished. But I, I, I want you to understand that if you keep your hope strong, then your hope will not diminish. It, your, sorry, your, your portion will not diminish. It says in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1 and verse 3, it says, We always pray for you And give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This is an um, this is an amazing piece of scripture. Let me just re-explain it. For we've heard your faith in Christ and your love for all God's people, which came from your, what? Confident hope. Your love for all people came from what? Your confident hope. Hope. How do you love people who aren't lovable? How do you minister to people who don't always appreciate it? How do you do great works? Confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. So there is a church there and they've just got this confidence of what is for them, what awaits them. Not now, in heaven. Something is awaiting them in in their eternal promises and they're so motivated by it, so motivated by the hope that they're not, they don't lose hope, they just connect to that hope and connect to God and suddenly their world of influence, their portion begins to change. In verse 6 it says, This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Wow! This church is making a difference just because of this testimony that is in their heart. Here, Mike gave a testimony. The testimony which he gave is a testimony of hope, but which changed his life. Suddenly, that point of influence has now ch- touched everyone in this room. That point of influence touches because hope changes not just your life, but changes the life of other people around you. You know what? There is no- nothing more enjoyable than spending time with someone who is enjoying life, nothing more challenging than spending someone who isn't. it's oh oh, oh, let's keep it up well it's a good day isn't it (laughs) and so you really have to but people who have hope are people that give you life you know i want to encourage you tonight let hope be your motivation there are three things the bible says that remain three things that remain faith hope and love. These are the critical graces for your life. Always, always, we come back to these three graces. Faith, hope, and love. But hope is a forgotten grace that we forget to maintain and make sure that we keep it strong. We think about faith. We try and keep faith. And we have to do love. I mean, everybody knows you've got to do love, haven't you? I mean, love is important. We've got to love people. But we forget that hope is one of the critical three that without it the other two are vulnerable within our heart hope stands strong and builds your world bigger builds your dreams feeds your heart and changes your destiny